Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 167 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on May 10th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the lore book, Dust. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, BlueGrew86. Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? I have my break perfected. I have helped carry so far three people to get theirs, and I am enjoying the snot out of that mission, running it even solo and trying to see if I can get to the boss room solo. So it's been a lot of fun, especially with some of the latest news that we got of stuff coming mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. And then rounding out the usual team, we have our good buddy, the lore content cop himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing? Oh, you know, about the same. Shooting things to Ziva Mites. Never thought I'd do that again. <laughs> Create new channels for your YouTube. Look, I don't need to create new <laughs> channels. I've got Siva to do that Siva for me. Just do it yeah, they, they just, they just consume what it was. enhance. They was just that today that you tweeted it? I think it was today that you tweeted about, like, or maybe it was yesterday, about the daily poems. <laughs> Someone's like, where can we find that? <laughs> Z and I both immediately were like, on his new channel. God. You know, you try to do something nice. You're trying to make people think. You're trying to give them a place that they can be like, oh, hey, maybe I could go here and learn a thing or two a day. Maybe that'll be a pretty cool thing to do. And then, and then Blue learns about it. That are <laughs> then like, Blue learns about you know, it. Well, I think it's on his sixth channel that he has. <laughs> what are you talking about, six? See in chat. I have you know, no idea what you're talking about. You, you know, you know, YouTube bans you for stuff like that. I would just like to state for the record that is not kosher. It ain't gonna pass. Let's let's not. Let's just not. Oh. Huh. Otherwise, I got an episode oh. written here in like an hour today, which was which was great. So. uh I'll be nice, posting that nice. up on the uh, seventh channel. Nice, nice. That's the magical bungee channel. <laughs> you sure it's not the ninth channel? Um, <laughs> no, see, this one's the seventh because Siva's the lucky seven. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was Cade. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Let's let's be frank okay. here. Cade's not lucky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
That is so like, true. No matter how I try to put this, if we're if we're going Z and Jesse, too soon, too soon. It's always going to be too soon for these jokes. Like no matter what uh, I try to do. Like look, look. Even if we don't count the fact that he is, you know, not with us anymore, he just wasn't lucky. Like he just wasn't. He was a great I mean, gambler. No, he no. Wasn't. We're no. going to be talking about somebody who's. Not very lucky herself here. That's, that's true. That's and very true. Actually, luck has like everything to do with tonight. Right. And speaking of that, mm-hmm. uh, for this episode, Green, I know you were you had a pretty pretty good question for the community. Did you want to talk about what everyone kind of the general feedback for that one was? I mean, it was a it was less a question about th- this topic in general, and more so a question of. It's, if I put a golden platter in front of you, would you take the fruit off mm-hmm. of it type thing? So the question I put for this week was, Lavinia in the book Dust makes a wish on an Ahamkara bone to know about the nine. The consequences were proportional. That's all I gave. I didn't spoil anything. I didn't give anybody any extra information. I then asked, would you give up everything to find the answer to your biggest questions? It was a simple yes and no question. 38% said yes, which surprised me. 62% said nope and walked away. And there were a few people who were just like, yeah, give it to me type thing. When you wish upon a star, um, what was it? Little Rabbit was like, considering most of my questions would be inconsequential. He's like, yeah, I would totally do that. Uh, Trigger said, I already know the answers to my biggest questions. And if the question is about what happens in a movie slash show, I'd wish that no one had the ability to speak of it until two to three weeks have passed. So in game, spoilers obviously on that there were a few people who said that they they don't think it would be a good idea but most people who responded in like comments were just like yeah i i don't see a problem with that type of thing i the things i would wish for ask for wouldn't be that bad so community was a little torn people who had strong feelings seemed to feel it was okay people who just kind of clicked on the poll and went past we're definitely like, I don't want to get involved with that because those are powers that be that are probably a little bit more than I'm expecting. Can you guess which so, way I voted? I oh, talk about gambling. I would bet you gambled and you said yes. Uh-huh. Which, why? What question was answered? Uh, far too many for one thing. Yeah. But that's my existential crisis to begin with. Um. But yeah, just just a ton of questions that would be kind of related to. I don't even think to myself like uh, what kind of stuff I could do for uh, almost for humanity as a whole, mm-hmm. and what I could do to try to fix some stuff. Which you know, whatever the the consequences may be, I'm I'm okay. I've I've always been one of those people where if it's going to benefit the the greater good the, or the the larger proportion. If if several billion people can be benefited by my having a problem, yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. I can see that as being a good argument. The thing with Lavinia's situation, which we'll, I'm sure we're going to get into, is that very few actually benefited from her information. Or she did they? God, so far. So Yeah, really. Far. But Blue, what about you? How would you answer that? Would you? I wouldn't. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, not really for any, like, I I mean, it's not because of, like, the whole, like, 
uh, oh, it's too dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Because I kind of have a firm belief in the fact that half the fun in, 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 in existence is the search. Um, it's, it's to me, it's like, there's, there's a lot of questions that, you know, my, I guess when you say my biggest question too, that means a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of those questions that I would consider as my biggest questions, I don't know necessarily if there is an answer. And I think that's kind of part of the whole challenge is that you kind of have to make your answer up for yourself on some of them. Um, And so, yeah. And so like, I mean, like the common one is, you know, like what, what are, what are we here for? You know, whatever. Um, That's not a question that something outside of yourself can really answer. Um, And to kind of put that power in someone else's hands, I think does a disservice to you as a person and as a co-creator of your own existence. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, and that's, that's to me, that would be like the quote unquote big question that I have is like, you know, the purpose and the, the point of what's going on and all this, um, it's, it's not something that's black and white answer. It's not something that I would argue even really has a viable single answer. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, that's the other thing is like, I know a lot of people have this idea of these big questions that hang over their heads and you know, it, it's it's this. I don't know. I, I I just think that there's more to it than just you know. Well, they did this or they did that. You know, I I just don't think that's as cut uh, cut and dry, if you will. And yes, and yes, and also to go back to it, I think that half of the enjoyment of existence is the search. Um, if you don't have a search, what are you doing? Like you know, I I just. I seriously asked that question, you know, if you don't have a purpose of doing something, then why are you here? I mean, that that's kind of the beauty of having a question answered is that a lot of the times it opens up a new question, opens up a new door, new place to travel. Right. No, no, no. And that's and that's entirely that's an entirely accurate answer, too. But the other thing to me is also the questions that I have, um, like I said, the questions that I have in mind can't be answered by anybody but myself um and so in order for them you know like if i were to ask those questions of a a mystical genie creature whatever we want to call it um they would put a definition on myself that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way if that makes sense i don't know it's it's a little bit of a cyclical it's a little bit of like a, a cyclical thought process but um yeah, that's that's why my answer would be kind of firmly no. I mean, it would be nice, sure, but I I don't think I would do it. Sounds good. I I actually don't. I don't. It's a hard enough question where I don't even want to answer it myself, to be honest. Well, and that's just like, that's I the other a curious. That's person. the other. Be careful what you wish for type scenario too. But there are things that I'm like, you know, if I could find the answers to different things, it would be great. It would be great to have that knowledge because knowledge is power mm-hmm. and that's something I'm going to talk about, I'm sure, here. But it's also, I've I've seen that power hurt people too. So it's like, okay. I It's for me, if I was just purely doing it for my own benefit and the knowledge ends up, like Beard says, kind of just hurting me and no one else, great. I would take that. But if that knowledge ends up causing a lot more problems and... I end up hurting a lot more people because of it. I would be 
not so happy about it. So it's just one of those dang if you do, dang if you don't type things. Lose out on it. But yeah, that's the question of the week. Yeah, and I think it's a little thought. Yeah, and I think it's an important question too, because like you know we've we've kind of been dancing around this topic with the last couple episodes. Is like the nuances of um, how the game itself can kind of transcend into real life, right? You know, like how this kind of can push you, you could, if you'd allow, if you allow it to, it can push you into kind of thinking about stuff in your own life and like stuff, like what's going on in reality too. So I like, I like those type of questions that kind of push the, push the fourth wall to be a little bit more transparent. But I know, um, I know everyone is looking forward to diving into this discussion because this is a this is a topic that I think I would I think it's safe to say that we've been kind of antsy to discuss. I've been waiting for a chance to chat about. Um, so let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the lore book, The Warlock of Noor. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate and, if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. If you are a fan of lore in all its various forms, please be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will be the new home for the Focus Fire chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the daily lives of Guardians. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. Before we jump into the information and thoughts the community had about Dust, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. Um, for the lost lore this week, I was actually going to give it over to Beard because there's a topic that deals with, I don't know, space that, um, and, and this kind of weird concept kind of called dark matter. I didn't know if Beard, you wanted to kind of, you're, you're kind of our arguably residential expert on that one, a resident expert on that one, I guess. So I was just curious if you want, well, right. Well, I mean, I guess even experts of this would be probably hesitant to refer to themselves as experts um, because it's dark. I mean, so dark, what, what is dark matter? I guess what, before we really get into it, because I think that is a good starting point when we're talking dust, because 
it's very revealing about about a certain ephemeral creatures that we will that there's a certain number of them um, that we'll talk about and kind of kind of integral to that description of them in in themselves is also this idea of what dark matter really is. Well, here's the short version in scientific sense. We don't know. Um, there is nothing actually listed in terms of like what dark matter is. Uh, you can read over uh, what Star Trek equivalently would have called it. Like there's matter and antimatter. Uh, and that would end up being the same kind of concept as dark matter, but it was something then equivocally different. Uh, so there were those pieces to kind of consider and look into. Uh, there was also then the way that uh, we thought we could track it with some Higgs boson nonsense, and that never actually worked out or happened. Uh, we have no general knowledge of like what dark matter is, how it handles, etc. Unfortunately, uh, there are plenty of discussions and ideas of what it could be, uh, but unfortunately, a good majority, a, f- a fair majority, there is nothing that can prescribe like it is exactly this. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing that says much on it. Unfortunately. So if we were go into kind of theoretical concept of it, and this is just my my basic understanding of things that i've heard slash read slash seen obviously pop culture and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. whereas matter the matter that we have that makes up our material universe is very a bad way of putting it is very porous and dark matter is what is in between everything that's kind of the way that i've had it explained to me is that it is the it's not the glue that holds everything together it's everything that's between everything around you so even the most well, dense of things has technically quote-unquote dark there it's the concept as well of like the what we kind of call the void in destiny as well where it's uh considered like the space between the stars mm-hmm. uh that's where you end up having like the 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 contentiousness of like what the void kind of is in destiny and how we control it because by all technicalities it is a matter within the uh within the universe it is something that by all accounts uh we can also work with and and kind of change or alter uh or at least theoretically uh because even by the theoretical physics of it we may be able to one day understand how it works right. and then be able to uh kind of manipulate how it would go uh i'll get to that in a second here too but yeah but before you had brought that up like dark matter is theoretically the thing that uh actually makes up more of our uh more space in our universe than anything else right. it's uh, hypothetically about 80 percent or so right yeah, they're they're kind of figuring that it's somewhere around that or or higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is nothing that ends up saying that it is a uh, a, a definite or finite number, of course, in that respect. Right. Uh, but that's the problem with it being more uh, theoretical astrophysics or uh, theoretical physics in in general as a whole. Uh, but that being said, like the uh, the other piece that. Oh, shoot, I, I had something else I wanted to... Oh, right. Uh, if we if we look at something like uh, Dune, uh, Dune deals with the ideas of, like, manipulation in, uh, in space-time. Mm-hmm. 
uh, because of how their their warping would kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, if you look at Star Trek again, Star Trek does a uh, like a warp drive idea where it's more what happens when matter and antimatter come together. Uh, Dune is actually about space manipulation. And when you start to understand the ideas of 80% or more of the, um, of the, of the known universe, how can you manipulate that matter just like we're manipulating something like a tree or water or the earth that we stand on? Uh, the theoretical idea is that it is just another form of matter that we have to kind of work with to understand a little better. Uh, so again, like Dune, I think is a fair, uh, example or like the, the space folding example, uh, is a fair example because it gives you that alternate idea or level, excuse me, of where, uh, we can kind of look at dark matter as a whole, uh, in terms of like what, what the guys in destiny have played with, uh, on it. They're still very unclear, but they're they're still going with it as something that is manipulative or or able to be manipulated, uh, not manipulative well, necessarily. But I would argue that in Destiny, what we see is a function of both dark energy and what they're calling dark matter as well, because uh, dark energy gets into a completely it, different type it of does. Uh, yeah, it does, but. But they're they're also very much sticking with the uh, as the as the Lovecraft kids will say they're very much sticking with the uh, base ideas of the light and the dark being a very finite and uh, seemingly defined idea. Right. And with dark matter, I think on the horizon more so. I think that's becoming more and more clear, uh, at least from my perspective and the way I've started to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the largest thing that I think points back to it as well as like callus, uh, and how, well, granted, I'm, I'm skipping ahead pretty hard here, so I won't dig into that too far, but you already know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know where that thread is going to go. And I don't know, like, what kind of manipulative, uh, ideas the, the energy of what the nine can, uh, can utilize antimatter or dark matter for. Uh, I don't know exactly where they're headed with that. Uh, I think that's what Season of Opulence is going to largely be about, uh, is actually how that dark matter is utilized and largely what the, some additional answers, I think, to the Nine. Um, but I think that's where we're, we're kind of at in that regard. But yeah, dark matter itself, before I get too far down that tangent, uh, I don't necessarily think that, uh, we we have enough that we can unfortunately kind of go by uh again there were some some ideas on like tracking it with higgs boson uh there were a few ideas in tracking it with uh with x-rays and such uh but nothing has necessarily given us given us like a full taste into what it's about Mm -hmm. um in addition to that should also mention this we just had the uh, the black hole recently uh, pegged out and uh, showcased to us, right. or or at least like the the general through painting behind the, it through the mathematical analysis. Right, she did it through a computer. Right. Was it an AI that she developed, or was it a computer program uh, that she developed? Mostly a computer program that put it into an image of some mm-hmm. kind, a very rough image. Uh, but that being said, like that is not a uh, to my knowledge. Uh, one, of course, that's just a representation of what it should look like uh, and look like is a quote-unquote, at that point, 
Uh, it is not something that you can uh, that you can necessarily look at. Right. The reason I bring up the black hole, though, uh, is because we've been trying to track them for years. Uh, and in addition to that, we've just never been able to, uh, mostly because of the way that they are... Uh, that they suck in matter uh, and and hold it, uh, but that's the largest thing to keep in mind. They're eaters of matter, but they are not uh, antimatter or dark matter. So keep that in mind whenever you kind of bring up the ideas of a of a black hole. They are they are suckers and holders of matter, but they are not dark matter in any rights. They're terrifying, but they're don't yeah they, they're they're not what you might don't think. they do what are they called are they it's not solar flare. There's a polar jet, I think is the name of it. I'm trying to remember. It's the opposite of what happens to a black hole. Because black hole is the absorption of matter. And then there's the Mm -hmm. opposite that happens, which spews out matter. It's a black hole that's spitting everything out. That also happens. Well, there's the alternative theory, which has been in sci-fi for a long time now, the white hole, uh, that has the same general benefits of that idea as well. Uh, And I know the... The terming for it has changed, but the theory necessarily has not, uh, where it may be the opposite side of a black hole, uh, where it is, uh, where the, the outtake of the black hole is in another portion of the galaxy or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the other thought process behind it is that there could be a white hole that generates that kind of, uh, that, that kind of, uh, matter spewing if you if you want to call it that as well uh but even then like black holes themselves burp uh black holes will actually take on too much energy at some times and they'll actually give off a dissipation of light as well Uh, and this can actually uh be seen when you look at or focus up more on the uh the look of a of the black hole that's that's one of the only places that we are able to really track or see them in a lot of rights to know where they even are. Uh, and they are small little, legitimately, they're pretty well like burps that, uh, that seem to happen with that, uh, with the energy flow of inside of a black hole. It looks like back in the 15 instance where they were able to see it. So scientists have been able to see the, the burping effect at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not as uncommon as you kind of think it is, especially if you end up looking in the right places. Mm-hmm. Uh, a one in particular, of course, it's always been a very good uh, subject matter for us. It's so close uh, is Alpha and Beta Centauri, uh, especially considering the gravitational effects that happened in that little system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition to the fact that there is also uh, Proxima Centauri, which is uh, furthering to sound like it may be more of a uh, of a, a picked up star, like it's not native to the uh, to the system of Alpha and Beta. Uh, but with that being a uh, a binary star system or turning into a binary star system or close to a, a cluster like it, uh, the question has always been like how how another star would end up uh, handling one being so close. Mm-hmm. We've got front row tickets to see that basically. Uh, they're they're a mere thirty thousand light years away from us. I I jokingly say a mere thirty thousand. That is, in essence, one of the biggest things that I've liked about uh, some of the research that comes out of there uh, is just the fact that we have um, that we can kind of observe and notice how a black hole uh, can kind of act because Beta uh, Centauri is actually eating Alpha Centauri uh, to kind of stop dancing around the bush here a little bit. 
uh, and with them eating, uh, or, or with Beta eating Alpha, we can actually see how a, a black hole in a lot of rights can actually uh, manage or how they handle. So it's a it's a really weird experience to kind of see it ha- uh, happen. Watching the data sequences are also kind of cool because you'll see uh, you'll see how eventually like Beta Centauri, if it hasn't already, uh, will effectively eat Alpha Centauri entirely. Uh, if you want if you want any understanding of cosmic logic or sword logic like there it is the cosmos doesn't give an absolute about what's happening with a star if another is going to be powerful enough to pull energy from it or eat and feast on it it will dark matter is such a fascinating thing and black holes obviously kind of tie into it in some respects well i'm gonna say considering why you know the uh, do black holes feed on dark matter that's been a very large uh, question well, that we're unsure how to answer. It depends on whether uh, or not the dark matter is affected by gravity. We know that dark matter does not interact with electromagnetic forces, which is why we can't see it. Well, and that's why it's only theory at that point for as to if it is or if it if it can or if it can't. Right. Uh, and that's the the largest problem again with you dealing with dark matter as a as a whole and being a piece of uh, piece of physics that we are unsure how it really does handle. Right. Like we could look at a plant, we could say it conducts photosynthesis. We can't say the same thing when it comes down to uh, space and how it produces dark matter or how space produced dark matter to begin with. Uh, our light spectrum cannot feasibly track it uh roy g biv and everything else has no sway here uh what was his what was his name like none of the old physicists of old that we have uh that we that we've relied on for years to be uh information gatherers and have told us so much about it from uh from newton to to fraunhofer none of them can get us prepared for for like what dark matter is about at all which i think is a really good way to say that there's a lot we don't know and that's what this book is going to be about in some respects because there's going to be a lot we're not going to be able to give direct answers on in this book i think yeah i'm gonna say science in general is uh is basically the thing that that will always kind of fascinate in how it runs and how it's shown to us etc uh just the ways that we learn from it that we can learn from each other that we that we collaborate with each other uh we start to learn more and more about the universe as a whole by being uh more engrossed within the scientific adventure Mm -hmm. uh and i think that is the one thing if i wanted to kind of highlight or or end anywhere before i I turn it back to dust uh that's the important thing to kind of keep in mind with dark matter I don't have any answers for it. I'm not going to lie and say I have any answers for it. Scientists aren't going to necessarily say they have any answers for it. Uh, and scientists in terms of uh, of other things, like, and I, I don't mean to make anything political, even though these are not political elements, uh, but things like global warming. No, we don't necessarily have a timer, on, but we know that something is happening uh, or or anything in terms of like the, the polar ice caps melting or how we're, we're turning on our axis or, you know, the... It, certain certain things like uh, like flat Earth that are going on right now, you can do plenty of experiments to end up figuring out that most of that is is easily uh, untested, untrue, etc. Like flat Earth doesn't pass. Anymore. So again, not to make this into anything political, but this is the reason that I think that science 
uh, so long as it is used or understood for the measure of progressing what we are as humanity, is fantastic. You end up having the opposite be true of when it is used for political gain in terms of things like uh, the, uh, the, the gas crisis out of the 60s and 70s, uh, where we were curious about leaded gasoline and so on and how the effects actually were on people that were, that were utilizing it. Uh, and as soon as we started to figure out that lead was actually a bad thing and we were being lied to by the government and by scientists that were seemingly paid for by others or corporations etc go figure of course things are going to start to change so eventually i i still say that the truth is going to come out in the scientific debate and i think with dark matter as well that's the same thing uh dark matter as a whole will eventually uh open itself up to us we'll find something that'll prove or disprove it as a whole and we can move hard with our lives and start to to figure out like different uh pieces that exist or don't exist in that regard new questions new answers Absolutely. Blue. What do you think? I think if we're going to ask about questions, I I think the person that we should talk about is Lavinia, which actually it's going to be funny because I'm going to hand it somewhat back to Beard a little bit because I think if I remember correctly, Beard had a bit of a tangent about (laughs) someone's particular name. Uh, about Lavinia, about Lavinia. Yeah. yeah, Lavinia yeah. Garcia Murtala. I mean, just pick one of them, right? Mm. It's, I'm sure there's something about right. one of the one of the four. Yes. Well, Tala is that the one? I'm guessing the only the only one that actually doesn't fit in. Any I know, yeah. It's yeah. Like, I'm like, I, I, yeah. I still don't know where that comes from. Like, I, I was I was trying to like look over the. Uh, like the nationality of Garcia and Garcia itself doesn't actually uh, uh, give itself much, unfortunately. Uh, It's actually a, uh, a a Spanish name in a lot of rights, or at least a, uh, a, what is it? An appropriated Mm. uh, Spanish name. Uh, But it actually came, I think from uh, Northern Europe largely. Uh, And that's where the, uh, appropriated name had actually come from and i forget the name because it slips my mind i didn't write it down uh but garcia is a is the only name that doesn't actually make sense in terms of lavinia's name uh lavinia's first name i want to get back to afterward because i think it kind of rounds out the entirety of this uh of this rant that i'm about to go on Side note, if you're interested in the full thoughts, I'm going to plug mm-hmm. in because Blue gave me the option to here at this point. Uh, I did make an entire video uh, about this that I think lasted for 26, 27 minutes uh, that digs into the uh, the Nine and the connections to Lovecraft. Uh, Lovecraft, uh, or H.P. Lovecraft more specifically, has, one, a very brilliant mind. Crazy, but brilliant. Uh but one thing that he presented were so many different characters that can actually spawn from uh, from the mythos that he has created. Lovecraft didn't write uh, tales necessarily. He wrote a lot of mythos. He wrote a lot of legend. Uh, and that's the thing about his writing style that's always been particularly uh, peculiar and interesting. Uh, but one tale that he wrote, before I get too far down that track is a story called the uh the silver keys or the silver key sorry the silver key talks about a uh a, a man and i forget his name because i didn't write it down because it wasn't necessarily conducive to my argument uh but it talks about a man that was uh searching through a gate system 
uh, and he had actually uh, found a set of keys or a silver key that allowed him to access this otherworldly uh, gate system. The gates could actually lead you to several different places. Uh, one of them, however, was towards the ultimate gate, uh, which is really where the uh, name of Umer Talwil uh, kind of comes into it. Because after you pass through the first gate, you can actually go through the right steps and processes and find yourself at the ultimate one. Uh, the ultimate one can show you any kind of uh, of uh, life you ever could have lived. So say, for instance, you would have been an ant in one life. It would have showed you that life. Uh, say, for instance, you would have been a human, but you would have been a farmer or something like that. You would have also seen that life. Uh, that's the way that the that the ultimate gate kind of worked out. Uh, it was something that built on uh, the ideas of any and all space time. Uh, here's the problem: you start to deal with space time in terms of Lovecraft, and you start to talk about uh, the higher beings that exist within Lovecraft. Uh, most of which being, of course, the old gods. And one major old god that actually exists within. Uh, Lovecraft mythos that actually takes control of stuff like time and space happens to be one of the largest Azathoth. Azathoth is possibly the one that uh, is in uh, major relation to it because of a son that he has. Uh, the son is Yogg-Sothoth. Uh, mm -hmm. Yogg-Sothoth as a character is extremely important to remember for even later, but when you end up seeing that uh, that Yogg-Sothoth is the one that is in place of time and space or has control over time and space. Uh, that's where things start to get very interesting, especially when you again tie it back to these gates that exist, uh, which we're going to get into in dust because it's very important. And if you don't already understand the idea behind uh, these gate networks and whatnot in dust, then you're missing out. Uh, don't worry, we'll <laughs> fill you in. Uh, the... The biggest piece, however, with uh, Yogg-Sothoth uh, is that he ended up having, uh, or Yogg-Sothoth is the uh, the sun uh, or or split fission, uh, not really sun, but the fission of another uh, being that uh, manifested in Azathoth's family tree, uh, and that is the Nameless Mist. Well, the Nameless Mist also broke into something, uh, broke into Azathoth, or broke, goodness, again, my name's confused now. The Nameless Mist split into, uh, into Yogg-Sothoth and one other. Uh, and then from there you ended up having, uh, the other fission of Azathoth, uh, which also is the Nameless Mist, I should mention, uh, called the Darkness. So if that doesn't give you more inkling of the Nameless Mist may be the light, and the darkness is the darkness, and two follow different paths, I don't know what will. Uh, the largest piece, however, behind them, both uh, Yogg-Sothoth and uh, I think it's Anub uh, Ziggurat, or, or something similar to that. Now I can't remember because it wasn't necessarily uh, necessary to, my, to the story that we were following. Uh, they had uh, sired some children within Lovecraft's uh, mythos, but it's not the important one. Uh, Yogg-Sothoth had another child, uh, or actually two others, because of a certain witch that had uh, had actually summoned Yogg-Sothoth into mortal form. 
this is something that was actually done with use of the Necronomicon, uh, or an unfinished one, which this person's father had an unfinished one up. Uh, this person's entire purpose to being seemed like she was uh, fostered and meant to be uh, born to summon Yogg-Sothoth or summon the old gods. This person's name is, and there are two pronunciations for the last name, and I went with one that I, I felt was better, uh, Lavinia Watelli. So, I have now introduced you to uh, Umer Talwell, who is the protector of the ultimate gate, who you meet after you go through one of these uh, gates and use a silver key for. And I have also told you about Lavinia Watelli. You've got Lavinia's full name in Destiny. If it is any more clear or evident what else you need to know, I, I just, I don't know. The problem is what this spawned, or what the spawn of uh, Umer, of uh, what Lavinia and Yogg-Sothoth basically was. Uh, there were there was a child that ended up uh, being uh, sired from the two, uh, who was a a pretty well full blood human or seemed to be full blood human. The other was uh, given two names. One was Yog Witelli, which gets me in an entirely different tangent with the uh, with the Dredgens and uh, how their titles are passed down. Uh, but it was also given another name of the Dunwich Horror. The Dunwich Horror is a spawn of and looks very similar to the rest of the old gods. Uh, as you would probably figure they look uh, from the uh, Cthulhu mythos. Uh, and per that reasoning, Yog uh, Wateli was actually there as a, uh, as a means to bring the old gods back into our realm. Uh, this is also the same storyline that goes along with things like uh, with Cth uh, Cthulhu. Uh, Cthulhu actually fits on this mythos, uh, mythos almost completely and utterly. So keep that in mind when we start to deal with anything Yogg-Sothoth or uh, similar to it. Uh, you're dealing with Cthulhu mythos, like, left and right. So anyway, I, I, I explained this better within the video, because I'm trying to remember all my points, and I haven't reviewed it in a little while uh, entirely. But again, the, the names that are presented or the way that they are written, uh, it's really hard for me to pass off the... Uh, instance an idea that they they are not pertaining back to Lovecraft. Uh, I should make one spare mention. The name of Umer Talwil, uh can also be related back to uh, Arabic and Hebrew, uh, which is largely what the Awoken naming scheme is based off of. Uh, so it actually fits in really three different me uh, mechanisms, uh, and it seems like it was a, a name that was picked for very particular reasons. Uh, Again, it's hard for me to think of it as any other reason other than this. Interesting. I'd forgotten about the Dunwich Horror connection. Yeah, I'm going to say, considering that that also makes me, uh, I will keep it as PG as I can, right. worry <laughs> for our uh, <laughs> our fair Lavinia's uh, sake. <laughs> I hope that nothing bad happens to her. However, well, I mean, and behind whatever. door three of the well, witch's identity. Yeah, really. That's the Fair. that's the major thing is that there are a lot of uh, there 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 are a lot of possibilities that go along with the story. Like, is she 
uh, is it that, uh, like Lavinia, Lavinia was kind of like a herald in a lot of ways for the old gods. Right. Uh, versus like being a, uh, a vessel for them. Uh, or is she, is she going to be something completely different? You know, I, I don't know. Is this uh, so that's where, at all. yeah, I'm going to say it very well could be that like we, we never, uh, see or hear anything about Lavinia at all. We never go into those realms, which don't get me started on Kakaitis. That's a completely and utterly different realm to start talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the 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 name itself garners and opens up so many different paths that you can take uh it's just not even funny so i i i will definitely you know open the floor if anybody has anything else that they want to talk about in terms of the name but lavinia lavinia's name as a whole i think we uh we've we've kind of bashed to the dust uh. at this point uh not no no pun intended well, that's a good segue into the opening of our next topic though uh-oh Blue, what's the important importance of the continuum? Oh my trust? god. You wanna so it's my turn to go off on a tangent. I, um Yep, here we go. We are just gonna go it's going to be a, a long evening, folks, because this book is a thing. Well, so what I guess real quick to back up, the, the importance of the the it seems like a tangent, but it wasn't a tangent. What Beard just went off on is Lavinia Garcia Umartawal is the predominant. It, I, I, it's pretty much the narrator for this entire book, right? Um, yeah. It's the perspective. It's, the, yeah. it's definitely right. Yeah. So, and Lavinia is a cryptarch or a assistant cryptarch, I guess, who, who basically. Really, kind of before I get into my tangent on the importance of the first card here, I'm going to actually just kind of run real quick through a, a really brief breakdown of all the cards, if you guys don't mind. Um, so we yeah. have, uh, I think there's nine, yeah, nine cards or nine entries. We have the red box. Uh, yeah, you don't no, say. I, I, no, God, I try so hard not to go off that tangent. Um, so we have the red box, the stacks, the bone, the kel, the leviathan, the gate, the declaration, the nine, and the witch. I recognize I went through those kind of fast, so let's go back through real quick. The first one is the red box. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that one in just a second, but basically what this one is is this is a a, a scene where Lavinia basically corners Zer. And it's hilarious uh, because we actually get a callback to a Grimoire card from Destiny 1, um, which is very important in just a second. Uh, So then we go to the stacks, which takes place shortly after that. And this is where Lavinia is actually researching um, the nine within a basically it's a library. It's a data. It's a data warehouse for all sakes and purposes. Um, And she gets... There's a few. Go for it. Oh my God, the stupid yep, nanites. Yep. Now we know what those stupid nanites are for. One of one of the one of the purpose. The, the earworms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're floating around the tower. They look pretty. They're not just for pretty and for show. Those are literally ways that apparently the cryptarch can contact you or probably anybody because Lavinia is hiding in the stacks and trying not to get caught studying like some uh, Hogwarts students that we Well, know. it's mostly because and she's she, looking at restricted material. Correct. Like right, Hogwarts right, 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 right. That we know. 
Um, so this mite, this, it looks like basically a glowing dust mite type thing lands on her ear and crawls into her ear and Master Rahul comes booming. Let us discuss your choices. <laughs> Which type? What's thing. that? The city, the city is a prison and it's uh... actually a place of like freedom. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Restriction of information is an Espe- interesting topic. In well, and especially when you put it in an yeah. academic light too. Like, Right. Yeah. Don't get us no. started on stolen yeah. intelligence. Yeah. No. For Pete's sake. Um, which brings us to the bone, uh, which takes place after the stacks. Uh, pr- pretty, uh, pretty far, or not pretty far, but somewhat after. Um, she, she is exiled out of the. She city. is exiled, and this Why? this is the one that Lavinia is exiled from the city after she is discovered with a Ahamkara bone by Ikora. Um, and when she finally, she finally is basically, we get the sense that it's not necessarily all her fault as far as the bone, uh, because we all know Ahamkara bones kind of have a degree of sentience of themselves and it was seeking her as much as she was seeking it. Um, and Ikora is willing to look past that if she refuses to, or if she will quit looking into the nine, um, However, Lavinia refuses to quit her research, um, and she says that she not only will quit, she will not, she not only refuses to quit researching the nine, but also what is identified as other problematic areas of research. Um, so what this basically translates into is Ikora is her hands kind of forced and she's like, okay, well then the consequence of you not following these particular, you know, rules is that you don't have access to the the city anymore you're exiled um yeah she's put up against the tribunal yeah Ikora, well and ikora ikora so she's, she's voted right out. and ikora says yeah. like ikora was going to protect her from that tribunal if she would if she would ignore if she would just back down and lavinia said no and so yeah. ikora is like all right well then this is this is how it's going to go um and and she's exiled and then we get we jump forward again uh this is where this entry is called the kel uh so lavinia is continuing her research this time we find her within the reef uh she is being assisted by i believe an unnamed fallen i didn't remember i don't remember catching the name Correct. of that fallen Correct. uh However, she is arrested in the midst uh, of researching Skolos and his time within the prison of elders. She's arrested by the Awoken Guard. Um, The Fallen is let go, but Lavinia is not. And this is right after she reviews a tape in which Skolos is kind of talking to himself about his release from Jure and the subsequent recapturing of the Guardian. So this is when, right before the uh, the Prison of Elders initially were our final showdown with Skolas, this would ta- this would have taken this clip that she is reviewing would have taken place right before that. Um, and so that's where we kind of then get the end of that entry. We jump ahead a little bit more with the next entry, which is titled The Leviathan. Uh, this is where we see Lavinia has become, air quote, the guest of Paladin Kamala Rior. Uh, she's basically an imprisoned scholar. Uh, they're using her expertise on dark matter, which again is where we were kind of talking about at the very beginning. That's why dark matter is such an important thing. She is brought onto the bridge of an Awoken ship and witnesses a flyby of the Leviathan that the Awoken fleet is performing. 
and it's called out that the reason that they are performing this flyby is really just to remind Callus that they're still there and that they're watching him. Um, yep. However, during this flyby, they uh, hook up some new monitoring equipment that they were recommended to try using by Lavinia, and they actually witness the presence of dark matter in what's referred to as unfathomable amounts, uh, something which Rior makes the comment that should should have been impossible. It, it, there should not be this much dark matter um, in existence, or not in existence, but in this location. On top of that... Yeah, I gotta say, they... They say that even like yeah, they're they're like yeah, they were expecting like, but this is just unquantifiable excess. There is a really interesting set of lines here where it just explains a little bit about the dark matter as well as well as what the dark matter is doing, which I think goes back to uh, Beard's comment. Right, so mm-hmm. she's, uh, she doesn't actually say this, this is narration. Um, every school child knows that most mass in the universe is dark matter, but it is nothing more than mass, and it never forms structures, smaller galactic halo. Dark matter has no charge, passes through itself, never, never gathers into clumps, and has no chemistry. It is ever dust, which I think is an important line. Personally. Yes, well, and that's a repeated reference, too. Um, it is. It's also a... Uh, confirmation that Bungie is uh, or the writers whoever was in charge of this one is kind of going with some of the very old mm-hmm. theories of uh what dark matter is mm-hmm. uh because previously that's very much what it was thought to be um it was it was basically figured to be similar to like uh like what dust is for us like dead cells and a lot of rights which is also uh, brought out a card Zero yeah. right. set up in the very in the first red card, box. Yeah, correctly. I'm gonna say he talks about dead cells almost all the time. True. The, the dust commingles, or I am a, a culmination of dead cells that are from this area, from these planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very much a theme that comes back for the nine often, uh, and I think that it is absolutely something to keep in mind and remember when talking about them. Uh, and actually, only forces the Lovecraft ideas mm-hmm. even more. <laughs> so. At the end of this card, uh, once Rior uh, gets her information from her, she puts Lavinia back into jail. <laughs> she puts her back in the box. Right. <laughs> um, which will actually bring us to the gate, which is the next entry. Uh, again, some, yeah, a little bit gates? of a jump in time because basically Lavinia has managed to escape from Kamala. Uh, either we, we don't know how, uh, but she has on top of that, she has commissioned a Corsair to take her to Cocytus. And basically this is an illegal trip and this illegal trip is interrupted by Kamala and the Corsair bails because it's like, look, your money's great, but not that great. And so they take, why'd you pay up yeah, front? She yeah. Paid she up paid front. up front and the Corsair is like, see ya. Like, it's like there's there's yeah so they take off uh and instead but rather than being captured once again lavinia decides to jump into the portal of the cockatus gates and tries to make her escape uh this is where we get another reference to her being lucky lavinia um because these are the gates that we don't know anything about we know that this is this is where the tar the tar creatures come from uh and so we don't we don't know what's on the other side um yep. so she jumps into the gate and that brings us to the declaration 
the declaration is actually one of the entries or the only entry in this particular book that it is unclear who is being dictated to or who is being narrated from. Um, we don't know if this this card is or this entry is being spoken to Lavinia or if this is just a piece of conversation that is overheard. We don't we don't know on that one. But this is when we finally see the nine speak in this particular book. So the nine speak at last within the declaration. Uh, that brings us to the next entry, which is the nine. And this is where Lavinia comes to comprehend the nine and a large part of the reasoning behind their involvement with not just the system in the physical realm, but humanity in particular. This card is very important in explaining the entire mystery of A113, Cocytus, the whole the whole shebang. Like it, it actually comes out and kind of explains a lot of what's kind of going on. Um and kind of actually goes back to the red box. And we'll we'll kind of bring that back in real quick here in a second. Uh and then the final entry is the witch, which we've kind of mentioned a couple times. Lavinia hears the call of Nasia. Uh, but then is stolen by a figure known as the witch, which she recognizes as a figure from her birth. But the question then is, is this actually a person? Is this the same witch that deemed her as Lucky Lavinia? Or is this a, a different person? And this is where a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon of saying, oh, it's the witch. It's Savathun. I, I, I just... I hesitate. Well, because because that's Savathun's title. Well, in her title is Queen Witch and stuff like that. But I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's like I think that's a little bit too on the nose. Uh, Not that it's necessarily wrong, but there's there's a lot of different opportunities here for different interpretations for that particular identity. Um, But yeah, so that's that's really a really rough summary of the book as a whole. Oh, there's so many little spin foils and things that we learn throughout the book. I mean, especially with the idea of the witch too, like Techian witch. That's another. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Yeah, and then in like chat, they, chat's yeah, talking it right uh, now about duel because the the bone the bone yep. tea set, um, you know, and I'm gonna say it could be an Ahamkara because we saw somebody that uh, or an Ahamkara that was used mm-hmm. previously. Well, that's not it could be uh, another it could Awoken. Be. That's a great hunt because there's yep. another Awoken. I'm gonna say that's the what queen. I was with the yep. I'm gonna say that's that's where I was saying with the Techions. It could be one of them. It could be the could be Mara. There's several. I mean, it's listed as the old lady, and it she doesn't describe her as anything but an old lady. So in my mind. Unless Savathun is very good at um, morphing, I we don't. I don't think Duel and Karu can morph at all. Well, we don't know because Savathun uh, is able to disguise herself and her bishops because they were okay. they. That's how they infiltrated. Um, was it was it the Harmony? I believe. Mm. Yes. So I mean, we do know that Savathun yeah, has the, the capability of metamorphosis. That would yeah. mean Zava has been around at least as Liz. Uh, Lavinia's lifetime, if that is indeed what is going on here. Right. Well, but I well, mean, it kind of falls back on something else I've talked about that John hates me for. <laughs> Actually, the other way around because I hate John for it, but you know that's fine. What? Carrying on. I'm not going to go that? down this thread. What's I'm not bringing him up that? ever again. <laughs> no. Stop it. Stop it. 
None of this. <laughs> you brought it up. I don't even know why I said anything. You brought just, it I up. I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It's it's relevant. Uh, uh-huh. Kind, kind of. of. <laughs> so, anyways. I mean, we don't even know what relevancy he even has uh, at this point. By the way, for those that care to know, Nazrak <laughs> really just don't know anything about him <laughs> oh. at this point. You know, we're still assuming it's a him at this point. Exactly. It states it as he done me as Nezrak he. is the embodiment of all theories. <laughs> according to John. At this point, No, yeah, that, that's according to John. Oh, John was like, I wrote him to be the annoying yeah, thing. That's just in the peripheral. Oh, yeah, really? I didn't realize John wrote Yeah, all, all like, yeah, all yeah. like. Yeah. That was two that was like or two. that was that was like the the epiphany moment for me on that on that podcast to talk about that show for a second. Like, wow. as soon as he had said that, I stopped dead, and I was like, "You did what? Do you know what you have done to me? Do you understand the hell you have put me through?" I mean, anyway, I guess I know who to sick. Nezirak oh my gosh! Yes. Give him- uh, I've already. I, they, they are well aware. Okay, we'll good. put it that way. Really they are well aware. Uh, but yeah, I uh, like that's that's the piece about uh, most series that kind of go with like uh, as much as we're making a joke about this. Like, there's relevancy here. Uh, like older beings within Destiny as a whole, it's very questionable. Like where. Uh, how long they've been in our system truly, uh, what kind of uh, manipulation they may have had on our civilization as a whole, uh, especially when you start talking something like Sabathun, where we know that uh, she's able to morph herself or look different or hide herself, so on. Um, so that's the, the big piece about the Nine as well, which I, I think comes back to something that is said in a card down the line. I don't know where we want to go with that about uh, the the possible origins of mm-hmm. the nine <clears throat> well and i think that kind of ties back into the importance of the dust uh like as a general thing because that kind of ties into the red box um and the red box is actually a kind of a callback to ghost fragment ishtar sync from destiny one and that is where we kind of get this box and for the longest time everyone has assumed and has kind of like kind of just assumed that this box as did as, the as did the cryptarchs and the guardians that this was uh, a box left by the vex as a warning well it turns out that this box is and i will give me just one second i'll just go ahead and pull up that entry be- and it is a direct reference because Lavinia herself right. references it whenever <clears throat> she talks to Jure. Correct. Uh, so this is Ghost Fragment Ishtar Sync. I mean, this is like one of the original cards that we got. And it says, the box appears to be copper. The red lid is dented, one hinge shattered. Inside waits a small quantity of the finest, driest powder, more brown than gray, more blue than green. The greatest minds in creation make quick work of the material. The powder is weighed by the grain and studied close and remembered. 100 billion bits of near nothing reside inside the copper box, all of them tiny and nearly spherical, all etched with the outlines of continents and islands and ice caps. Each sphere represents a planet, and some of these tiny globes match known worlds. There is one Earth and one Mars and a Venus, too. The box holds renderings of every habitable world in the galaxy. One of them offers a simple explanation. The box is a message. 
The message is the minuscule nature of the box's cargo. It is, it's the image of 100 billion worlds barely filling two hands. But if so, who is delivering this message? What vastness do they wish to impress on us? Is it a warning or an invitation or a taunt? And so then we get into the red box, which is where she basically kind of corners Zhur, which we were kind of talking about. And she says that, so it says, she has practiced this question, clung to it as her anchor when she drifted away from her master and friends. We salvaged information from a ghost on Venus in the Ishtar Sink. It described an artifact found by our Golden Age ancestors. A copper box painted red, lightly damaged, full of dust. On the individual motes of dust, we found engraved maps of rocky worlds. Mars, Earth, Venus, other planets. Maybe every Earth-like planet in the galaxy. Zhur lifts its grasping face. She sees an almost human curiosity but stretched over the rack of an alien shape, a provisional superstructure cobbled together to make a man-like form, ever on the verge of failure. Planets, it says. My motions, in large part, depend upon their configuration. She doesn't shudder, much. My colleagues say that the artifact came from the Vex as a warning that they will exist wherever we go. But I think, she swallows, I think it's from the Nine. Did the box of dust come from the Nine, Zhur? Zhur's golden eyes shine at her. I am here for a reason, he says. I cannot remember. The dust has changed. The dust is precious. And she goes, yes. Did the, did the Nine send us the dust? Why is dust precious, Zhur? Why dust at all? Why not a letter or a clay tablet or anything clear? Remember that part. So just, just hang on as an aside. Remember that comment. Blood, Zhur says, and makes a sound like a cough. The blood is transformed. The wish is granted. The dust commingled. All right, so then I want to jump forward a bit to The Nine, which is the next book, or the next entry that kind of touches backs on this. Basically here, we see this. This is where she, again, she starts comprehending what The Nine are. Um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with regards to uh, Cacatus and a few other episodes. But really what's happening is, to put to make a long story short, the Nine are trying to communicate. They are trying to communicate with the world through the gate, which is our world. The Nine are not from our world. They do not exist on the plane of existence in which the concept of uh, entropy and death is a a present thing they exist in a a uh, psychological or a, a intellectual realm for them it is a binary existence it's a boolean existence they they either exist or they don't exist there is no such thing as a uh, a form of entropy in an intellectual realm because you either are or you're not there is no decay, if you will, which we see within the Kel entry where Skolas makes the comment about them not understanding death. He says, uh, he says, the Nine's agents never told me why he released me. Now I know. You know also, I think. Both of you require the Guardians, and the Nine do not understand life and death. So they sent me back to you to make the Guardians come. They did not comprehend the harm. I do not comprehend them either. I traveled among the Jovians for years in their dominion, but I do not know the Nine. You, Marasov, you are the only one who bargains with them. You are the only one who has foreseen their role in the game. You keep your successes secret so the world only knows your mistakes. No wonder I underestimated you. I saw the shape of the Nine on Venus. 
a place that was once precious to them, where wishes could transfigure their flesh. I saw that they are bound to the star and to these worlds. You are of a kind in that way, you and the nine, not I. I will be glad to leave this world, Marasov. I am tired of being a pawn. And I am excited to go back to Venus. Right. So basically, we see a couple things here. Uh, Before I get into my really weird tangent, I'm going to say this is why the nine are interested in us as guardians, because the nine are interested in the nature of paracausality. Um, We see this in their obsession with the Ahamkara. The Ahamkara grants them wishes that gives them the capability to manifest, to translate themselves into our physical reality. They can't do that by themselves, as we see with the Cocytus Gate, because they don't comprehend the basic foundational geometry of the physical realm, which is to say they don't understand the concept of entropy. Entropy is part and parcel to our existence as physical creatures, as intellectual as material creatures. right sorry yes physical material sorry yes um as intellectual or incorporeal creatures entropy doesn't doesn't factor into their existence they don't they don't even consider it a, a component of the equation um so the other way that we can see this is actually in the way that the gates are used as a translation chip between the realms um, in our realm, the manifestation of light, which is usually seen in the arc solar and void, is a flavoring of the energy that drives everything in the universe of destiny. Uh, so we see that in the entries about the nine and cockatus gates that they, the entities that are trying to come through, they have to convert that dark dust that is in their realm. They have to convert the dark dust into energy in order to create matter from that energy. So if you're looking at light as energy, then you're brought into this kind of this loop. Uh, so you have dark dust, which then goes to energy, which is synonymous with light, which then turns into matter. The dark dust is the nine and all that is their existence. And this is ultimately a cognitive plane of existence. It's a binary system at its core base. And due to the lack of thought, again, being able to experience the concept of entropy, they can conceive of this, but it, it, doesn't exist in their world. Energy is another term for light. So this is the translation bridge between the form of the form and matter within destiny. Uh, the easy way to kind of look at this is the dark dust formulates the cognitive basis. Uh, if you are familiar with Aristotle's philosophy of there's a there's a concept in Aristotelian thought called hylomorphism. And basically what that is doing is that it's saying that it's the form and the, the um, I just blanked on it, the form and the thing. It's a form of something, it's the thought of something, and then it's the actual thing. Dark dust is the form, and then matter is the actual thing. So you can have um, a, com- <clears throat> a common example is picture, picture in your head a chair, Okay. That chair has no material presence. Like that chair doesn't exist anywhere but in your head. As that as that stands, that is the form of chair, right? However, when you look at the chair that you're sitting in, that's the physical manifestation of that form. So sometimes it's different, sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes it's the same thing. It it it's and that's a really rough shot explanation of that that kind of concept. 
that goes into Plato's cave. Uh, it? yeah, a little bit. Uh, Plato's cave is more about awareness of knowledge, and uh, it's a social commentary. But, but yeah, it's, it's perception. Perception. Right. Um, perception right. It it kind of ties into it. This is more ca- talking about the existential, uh, the existence really of the universe. Uh, you have you have the cognitive. Uh, uh, it kind of ties into the trifecta or the triumvirate of the Aristotelian model with the noose and the the. Your, you have your mind, you have your body, and then you have this spirit. Those interact with each other. the The consciousness, the noose, the mind, directs the body, which is powered by the spirit. Uh, there's a there's a very very big coordination that goes on between those three you also see it in psychology with the ideas of like the id the ego and the superego and uh and and freud for example uh jung uh will have similar concepts with his archetypes uh there's there's a lot of different branches of psychophilosophy that are that that tie into that concept it's a very very popular concept within a lot of base philosophy uh paradigms but the thing is, is that what we see through the cockatus is that cockatus is the the infusion of energy into this form, and this is where you see like the 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 tar tube, I, which is just like this weird thing, but like that that creature that they created, they were trying to communicate with us, and that is ultimately what the box of dust is saying. The box of dust is a way of them saying, hey, this is why we're trying to communicate with you because this is this is their way of saying, hello, my name is X. Because when we get into the nature of what the nine are, they are literally that dark energy. They are they are infused in everything that is in the universe. They are, you know, connected to everything. There's tendrils of dark energy going through everything which is you know again the leviathan entry talking about it uh the the tendrils of this this dark matter going through the leviathan and connecting and and exploring uh there well that's just because they revealed it it's actually everywhere all the it time. is everywhere all the time but that's because we can't perceive it because we're not looking for it on a certain mm-hmm. plane so that's the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that you know, just because it's something that is on a different plane doesn't necessarily mean that it's not present within our that's world. Like that's that's kind of there's there's a that's like one of the final revelations of Lavinia is realizing the nine. Yes, everywhere. and that is where it kind of comes full circle into explaining what that red box is, because with that explanation of what the nine are, that that fact that we are, I think, what was it? We're all dancing on the tendrils of dark energy. I love that. I think that was was that the witch that was then. Um, I mean tendrils. Right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I. Uh, you, uh, you know where I'm going with that. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, she yeah. says. Yeah. So in the witch, and this will be my my kind of closing on this one. Um, Blues like no. Well, I have my own. This. I have my own theory about jur <laughs> and and creatures with tentacles on their faces. Um, that's fair. It's I mean it's it's I mean, not Pahanan was right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's another theory also. Um <laughs> Oh god, I forgot about I did, him. I didn't forget about him. You can't forget about him. Oh he gives god. the best he gives he gives Talk the best advice just... when you walk into a room, mm. look up. Um Oh my god. So from the witch 
I'm sorry. That's how I survive horror games is you always look up. It's never, right. Whatever. Um, So from the witch, she says, uh, because there are factions among the nine, one faction sent Jure and Orin to study guardians in the light, to seek the secret of effect without cause and to protect the source of that secret, the last source, now that the Ahamkara are gone. Those five played at alchemy with the Cocytus Gates, turning dark dust into energy and into matter. But they could not unlock the secrets of our mad existence. They needed ambassadors, go-betweens. The other faction walks a different path, a path of folds and needles slipped through space-time itself, existential syringes yielding new spaces to be remade as the Nine desire. They have tried to gather enough dark dust in one place to form a black hole, and found it difficult. When the dark mass collapses in gravity's fists, the dust passes through itself and scatters. But difficult is not impossible, and there is far, far more dark matter in the universe than bright. They will find a way to make new worlds of it. They will end their dependence on life and on the light of guardians, which the falling veil will soon snuff out forever. Um, so, and that's not, that's actually not what I was looking for, but it does kind of in a nice little summary explain the, the translation process that is trying to be used with the cockatus gate, with the alchemy that is being done. Um, yeah. There's two factions. Yes, there are two factions. The greater the greater faction, if we are to assume that the nine is the uh, the number of the individuals, is trying the alchemy, which is nice because that's the side that wants to keep us around. So far, because they need us. They're using us, blue. They're using us. Oh yeah. Us oh yeah. Just as Mara uses us. Everyone's using us. So Oh, yeah. I mean, we are pretty special. There's so many to book. I mean, Dredgen Yours says <laughs> we are, right? Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I keep getting, like, all over the place because that's how my brain works on this. But you know what? Right now, you it's... You know what? I haven't been given reason to say that I'm wrong. That's the thing. It's it's okay. Isn't that what John said? It's all about the theories. Mm-hmm. Yes. So here's... And I can't remember where I got this, where this yes. quote comes from in Green You Might. Um, remember excuse me I'm going to read this real quick Uh, this is the explanation of the nine I think this is I think this is from dust Um, they were already ancient when the first human beings named themselves their flesh was older than stars the dark dust wind that blows through the galaxy pinched by the gravity of soul and its planets drawn into their cores and exhaled again these were the nine they dwelt in mass indifference unborn primordial gods There was no force among them except gravity, no structure except the distribution of mass. Their hearts were in the cores of worlds, but their farthest streams faded out into the turn of the galaxy. They were the fountains of Aklis the night before chaos. But life rose on the worlds at the heart of the Nine, tiny complicated motions of ecosystems and metabolisms and computations. That life left mass shadows in the wind of the Nine, plucking at them like harp strings. From these trembles of structure, the nine learned to seed enormous resonating waves through vaster thoughts vaster than worlds. So the nine awoke, and in time they understood that they were as fragile as they were mighty. For if the life that seeded their thoughts ever passed away, they too would vanish. They are within everyone, every system, every living and moving thing. Trillions and patillions of slim, dark matter tentacles plunge through all our bodies, drinking up the complexity of our lives and thoughts. We are all pinched silhouettes impaled on the twitchings of infinitely long spider legs. 
That and it is from... It is... Texas. <laughs> what was that, Beard? I think you, you I had know. something in your throat for a second. Say that again, a little clearer. I think I, I think I did. I had a small outbreak there. I couldn't help myself. Man, man. Yeah, this this entry, anyway. I love this entry, because this is right after Lavinia is, she jumps through the gate, and she's on in that side. She's on their side. Yep. And she, essentially, she understands, finally. She becomes part of it, in some respects. What's even creepier, which I don't think we read this, because I think it's the next thing that pops up, is there's a, a familiar face that she doesn't actually see. But calls to her. Oren tries to get her to come out, which happens in the witch card. Oren's trying to get her to come with her because it's not safe on that side, which is totally fair because it's not Lavinia's natural side. Well, that and, and this is the wor- is- this is the realm of primordial gods, Cthulhu. Um, sorry, sorry, I had right. a, I had something no, stuck in good. my throat as well. Um, I- I, I feel like my contagion <laughs> is contagious. You're so I I, I feel like there's I feel like there is something that is spreading. Is outbreaking. I'm I'm not quite sure here. I feel like there's a reason that certain things happen the way that they do. Anyway, I'm gonna no, you're good. I'm gonna get hit real fast if I end up keeping this you're up. Good. Like Green is gonna see me at Guardian Con and be like, Hey, remember that one podcast? I'll be like with which one? Which we one had we had? Many. Many. It is your zero hour. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I uh, I'm fully right there with you on that yeah. one, Blue. Uh, in addition, something I actually wanted to call out as well before we get too too far on it. Uh, the biggest thing about the the whole they are kind of a part of uh, a possible part of our old uh, solar system and whatnot. Uh, how both Skolas and Lavidia seem to come to that uh, to that same uh, yeah to that that same conclusion in the the Kel entry mm-hmm. uh, is kind of interesting to me, considering like how one how long have they had they actually been here? Uh, two are they you know actually the old gods for us or not? Because again, that's just more confirmation there than anything else, quite frankly. Um, and then three, like, what was their overall goal for being within our system, or why hang around our system instead of being uh, being in this new realm that they had? Or, or four, why do they want to come back? You know, what what changed so much that their uh, that their civilization needs to now understand life in the in the way that it either possibly used to, or in the stuff that it had created. Uh, which is going a little far, I know. I mean, but... it depends on if we're going to go down into that same realm that Blue traveled down so long ago with that the Nine are contained with an intellectual realm. If, right. if you go with the American Gods scenario, if we're not thinking about them, if we're not essentially submitting tribute to them in some respects, yeah. they will cease to exist. They will be null. Right. So it... <sighs> Is the the realm of the nine as simple as the Boolean concept of it's either a one or a zero? Oh my god! It is Beard, yes now you've no. got me thinking the realm of the nine is Ryla. Ah, yeah, I know. Wait, what's why, this one? Why, why, do you think uh, I, why do you think I brought so, it up? So Ryla is the is the great city that the ancient ones sleep within. 
Uh, let me let me hang on. I just uh-huh. sent you guys the quote. <clears throat> uh, so this is from the Call of Cthulhu, which is probably one of the more well known Lovecraftian things. Uh, it's a character in there is explaining the great old ones, which is the gods that Beard had been talking about earlier. And he said they have shape. They had shape, for did not this star fashioned image prove it? But that shape was not made of matter. When the stars were right, they could plunge from world to world through the sky. But when the stars were wrong, they could not live. But although they no longer live, they could they would never really die. They all lie, lay in stone houses in their great city of Riley, preserved by the spells of mighty Cthulhu for a glorious resurrection when the stars and the earth might once more be ready for them. Uh, they knew they They knew all that was occurring in the universe, but their mode of speech was transmitted thought. Even now they talked in their tombs. When after infinities of chaos the first men came, the great old ones spoke to the sensitive among them by molding their dreams, for only thus could their language reach the fleshy minds of mammals. And it goes on, but I mean, that's, I'm not going to keep going because it gets even creepier. I mean, which yeah, which no, is which I, is Lovecraft. I mean, yeah. that's Lovecraft, but I mean, it. it mm-hmm. That's. But yeah, now I'm, now I'm, uh, yeah, now that's You're stuck welcome. in my head. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. I mean, I I love I it. Think. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love that connection. But God, man, that's because the thing is, is oh, now see now I'm gonna have to go down this rabbit hole because I don't think we know because there's never there's never a definition of how many great old ones there were. No, that I can remember off the top of my head. Let's see real quick. No, it. It's I know Cthulhu. Yeah, I know. I know Cthulhu building. is the uh, the so. gatekeeper. Basically, he's he's the harbinger basically the master of rella the great dreamer yeah there's a lot let's just put it that way i'm on like k and there's like yeah Yeah, there's a lot more than nine well i had also uh thought like what are the Mm -hmm. original old ones so to speak for the nine as well uh or or like the original old ones the lovecraft had uh created and the moment that i saw that one of them was oryx (laughs) right out of there I was like, there are some <laughs> tangents I am going to go down. I have officially hit the one. I'm not gonna. Uh, in addition, actually, now this, this'll, this'll actually make you go, oh no. Within Lovecraft's uh, uh-huh. mythos, Oryx was said to appear in a, uh, in a in a flash of white and purple pillared light, go back and leave yeah. the Leviathan <laughs> again. If it's done for any reason, it is for like connecting well, and material the, and the difficult, or, or like at least for right. And the difficult thing but. with Lovecraft, just for devil's advocacy here, is that Lovecraft, in and of himself, wrote like I mean, like one of his great old ones is Poseidon. Like you know, like so. There's yeah. also you're also dealing with someone who wrote mythos that was intended to fit the bill for anything as well. So, you know, some, some connections we might be, there's a, there is the full potential that we are stretching on some of those connections. Though, the, though well, there is the a lot is, of alignment. When you take, <laughs> when you, the problem is with the original old ones, when you take Oryx away, you're left with nine. Oh yeah, Veru in chats. Yeah, his he was saying that's why he mentioned the ne- Necromonicon was equal to the Tablets of Ruin. Necronomicon, right? Yeah, there's, but there's uh, it. 
considering I saw that uh, Seth was the one that had actually created uh, Dust as well, which makes total sense. Uh, it's like he's mm-hmm, a fan of mm-hmm, Lovecraft mm-hmm. or something. Um, but yeah, if you take it, I just find it funny. You take away Oryx, you get nine left over from the originals. Um, there are just so many little tangents that you can kind of go down with the way that all of this is kind of crafted up and it, no pun intended again. Um, but like the way that, uh, the way that Lovecraft seems to have such a, gr- a grip on this story, uh, all the way back to like how the hive kind of were as well. Uh, it's, it's to me obvious that, uh, and granted we look at, uh, Seth as well with, uh, the books of Sara and whatnot too. Uh, obviously he's got an affinity for some of it. Um, it makes sense why. Like, it, it makes total sense. Green, what do you think? What do you mean? <laughs> I think I broke I'm just, blue. I'm like, now I'm now I'm on a tangent of reading all about the uh, the great old ones. Because, I mean, okay. I mean, right. Here's just funny, funny thing is, like, they have a giraffe, like, reptilian one. <laughs> just, just yeah, they like, do. oh my god. I love Lovecraft. Oh, yeah. There is a reason it took me so long to like oh, make that video God. as a whole because you can you can get down this tangent for hours of finding all like it, it's it's uh it's about it's about 150 to 200 years worth that we're looking at here uh, of stuff that has been built on the mythos of H.P. Lovecraft uh, and to break down most of that into a like even a, a couple hour podcast is really hard to do well you know the there's f- an there at least there used to be an actual lovecraft podcast where it was basically they would do the storytelling right, yeah they would tell oh yeah the stories now i yep. want to go listen to it again yeah there there are still a couple that are yeah <laughs> there are a couple that are out there and they are fascinating to listen to don't uh, listen to them while you're trying to sleep <laughs> just saying try that once I not mean, a good idea <laughs> I mean, you can say that I can get away with it because I'm a freak like that. <laughs> well, but, oh, you know. my. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Oh. Yeah, now I'm reading about the progeny of Cthulhu. That's yeah, that's a dangerous. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's a that's dangerous totally, loop. Yeah, tangent. This entire thing is dangerous. Here's, here's my here's my two cents. Like my two cents on Lovecraft another. is when you decide to go down the the rabbit hole that is Lovecraft, get ready for some really weird stuff. Yeah. And that's that's fully meaning yeah. like mature content. Like there is a lot right. of not just dark, but I mean, it's it's not for young eyes. Let's just put it that way. I, I mean, mean, Call of Cthulhu is the like introduction, and it has to... stuff in it that's like, wait, what? Uh, yeah, you can you can feel free to bleep this out. But <laughs> back, yo. Um, all right, Green. I don't know where we're supposed to go with that. I don't either, to be frank. Um, I mean, we can go into more of the theories on the witch themselves. I mean, there's so many like little tidbits and facts that we got confirmation on. I'm going to say, don't put me in charge of this, because I'm just going to give you more Lovecraft, to be quite frank. Like, this entire book is, it's so hard for me to see it and not think Lovecraft the whole time. 
even when I go back and I start to read it again, or I start to understand like some of the extra implications, like, oh, they're using the Ahamkara. Yeah, well, dragons were kind of still important because they're still old gods or consideration. So, okay, let's actually t- dive into that a little bit. There's a conversation that happens. Oh, you mean how I called it? Well, okay. I don't know if I want to give you that kind of credit, but you know, it's one of those- I mean, I kind of did. I kind of did. I- I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I made a video last year on the fact <laughs> that the Ahamkara were being used by or were the Nine. One way, shape, or form, they were involved with them. They definitely... Guess who called they it? They were involved, yes. We have confirmation of that now. It's almost a <sighs> I just had to get that like off of my chest because... Point. Yeah, I... I don't know. Like it's it's like it's all linked together or or something. Or it's like somebody and watches your videos almost. Anyway, I I don't I don't know. I mean, John keeps telling me they're not actually linked together, but I'm I'm going to keep telling him he's wrong. I I don't know. That's that's my that's my precedent right now. He's going to hate me for this when all said and done. <laughs> Blue, but Did I but I was actually c- considering what about the Ahamkara and the connections yeah. do you find most interesting? Uh, well, the fact that they were, you know, still utilizing them for the main reasons for like the wishes and whatnot. Well, okay. Uh, Here's something. It also, sorry. No, no worries. I just wanted to point out that a lot of the things that happened to Lavinia, we're automatically assuming it's because of the bone and that mm. there's a supposed wish that happened, but we actually have no, there was no actual confirmation of that actually happening per se. It was. Oh, yeah. It, a lot of this could have just happened because she, she just is really not that lucky. And she, yeah. she self-manifested. She manifested yeah. all these problems herself. So it's to say that it is absolutely an ahamkara doing it is interesting. Or is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? He's left it open. The writer has. Well, and that's where I think the the idea of like the some got heated with me because I'm I was saying oh the the Amkara are the nine I was like no there are possibilities that exist that the Ahamkara may be the nine because of the uh, realistic or or possible integration of the Ahamkara and the nine, mm-hmm. but it's more so that it may be a partnership because of that integration. Not necessarily because they are uh, the Ahamkara or similar. Well, they need you know, that's the, nine. the or the well, nine needs the Ahamkara. Reverse that, right? And that's where we also end up having the uh, the other pieces about like, oh, we we should have uh, we should have stopped them from uh, the slaughter and everything, which were which we continue to kind of think back on as the uh, what is it the the Ahamkara, the great Ahamkara hunt, mm-hmm. uh, how that, that has kind of changed for us a little bit, how it very well can still be the Ahamkara that were, uh, affected by it, uh, or, or killed, killed off. And as the ones of like, well, we didn't want to see them, you know, go down this road or, or be killed, etc. Meanwhile, the, the nine did necessarily nothing to stop it because they couldn't. You know they were they were over on another side of everything, and they just had to basically watch their their children, so to speak, die. Uh, and in another consideration to this, like if they used Ahamkara's bodies to infect or infest or otherwise the 
or the the nine were using the Ahamkara's bodies to to get over to our side, mm-hmm. that would be another reason for them to to utilize it. Uh, and the Ahamkara got their wish because the nine were asking for a lot of wishes, realistically. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why I think it kind of all fits together in that respect, especially. So here's a if we connected those two, what about connecting the hive to the nine? We have the whole thing with Oryx. Going yeah, on. and I'm still not necessarily sure about that outside of possibly uh, the extra factions, if you will. Uh, Oryx thinks he's talking to the deep. How do we know he's talking to the deep? How do we know he's not talking? How in yep. the world if did I mean, if the whole I'm just, I, the witch pulling sorry. her through? On their yep. side, yep. Why is that possible? I'm also, I'm also just going to call out the other obvious connection to this. Uh, there's Callus. one. You want to talk? You want to talk I about an obvious him. connection? What's what type of ship does mm-hmm. the does the Krill sisters use to get to the Worm Gods? Yeah, a needle ship. A needle ship that pierces yeah. and weaves. Yep. Who who says that the Worm yep. Gods were at the center of the fundament? Yeah. We have an example of a Leviathan. Right. I mean, yeah. Now, granted, the Leviathan in particular here is the the whatever the land shark planet fish thing that that the Cabal have. Right. But you know, I mean, again, I that's that's honestly where my head went when it, I think it was what was that the witch when it was talking about the uh, the needle that is what is it yep. the other faction the path of folds and needles mm-hmm. slip through space-time itself. Existential syringes yielding mm-hmm. new spaces. Oh, oh, really? New spaces? Like um, punching a hole in geostational orbit based off the sword sacrifice of a, of a people on a crusade? That type of, that type of yielding or, new spaces? You know, or, you know, utilizing a Golden Age people to create a space mm-hmm. station to find and exhibit different spaces, etc. Yeah, you know. Nothing right. Like I that. mean, and that's that's where that's where my head like, kind of the... goes when I start reading about that type of stuff is like it starts making me think of those right. those connections that, you know, that could possibly be there. And that's that's I think also going back to what John was saying is like that's where the fun part is, is all this theory crafting mm-hmm. and like kind of drawing connections oh, yeah. that could or could not be there because we do. I mean, there's so oh, yeah. Many opportunities and I think I think Green, so you had mentioned many. this, too. There are two factions. Which is interesting because you know what else has two factions? The entire series. There's an entire series at play here between those who want the light and those who don't necessarily want the light. Who, I don't know, are talking about creating enough dark dust to form a black hole and form worlds in which they don't depend on the light of guardians. That's, I mean, again, I, I'm starting to think that this is the, this is, these are the actual players of the chessboard that we're part of. Yeah, this is. Well, I think that's well, fair to say. It's called out multiple in this book by Skolas, by herself. We're seeing more of the players and not just the pawns. Which also, I, I'm not, I know this is dangerously thin ice, but that also kind of goes back to the invitation where everyone's losing their mind about a fourth wall break. Um it might not be a fourth wall break. It could be talking about the guardian is capable of punching through to the realm of the nine. They are able to quote, escape the game. That's the game between the alchemist and the, the darkness or the veil or whatever you want to call this other faction of the nine. So base. What's that? 
the Nines faction place is just a game. Well, no, I no, no. But I mean, like, instead either. of saying that 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 comment from Oren was about us actually, like, because I know a lot right. of people are fixating on they can leave the game, blah, you know, whatever. I mean, if you if right. you shift shift oh, perspe- that goes along with right, yeah, shift perspectives like paracausality and exactly, yeah. exactly. And this also explains some of the Ahamkara comments about talking about you know the other and the the not the breaking of the fourth wall that a lot of times have been kind of asso- assumed there. It's like if you view it as a game between the two factions of the nine. You know, kind of your your uh, very classical God and the Devil playing chess, you know, thing. If you view it as that, what they're saying or is that Ahamkara playing poker, right? Or or yeah, yeah. Um, but what you're saying is that a particular piece of the board is able to actually step off the board and be not 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 removed from the board. Is actually able to transcend. Man, the board. that sure would make uh, Settlers of Catan a lot easier. Holy, let's not get that. <laughs> that's like the one. That's the one game that drives me freaking crazy uh, right now. But no, I mean, I was just, I was just thinking, like, you know, if you if you view it as a competition between two factions of the nine, you know, the five, the five alchemists, and I don't know what you want to call the other four, the other faction, the um, that would, in my mind, that explains the comments that up until now have been perceived as fourth fourth wall breaks. They're not yeah. they're not fourth wall breaks as much as they are stating that we can transcend our our in destiny that current reality we can transcend into the reality of the realm of the nine, which is the cognitive plane upon which these two forces are competing. Well, and look back at the ones that are also saying it because they are generally either with the nine or the nine or are our um Kara. What was they that? Are, if you if you look back at uh who are saying these fourth wall breaks. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all people who have like, who have had direct contact with the nine. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely Blue, I know you haven't done this week's invitation. Beard Uh I have it done, but I haven't done it. Yeah. No. I, I, I have it triggered, I haven't watched it just uh, yet. So I mean, is this that's fine. I guess, I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm gonna Monday, I'm gonna watch it right after. Yeah, that's this, I'm so right there, there with you. So it's like it's my last is, thing. So the emissary shows up, and Oren and Drifter have a tiny bit of a confrontation, conversation, whatever you're gonna call it at this point. This is after Oren's already transformed, and she mentions the fact that he's been giving visions, and she pulls up images of feet of the ships mm. this week. And so these visions that we we see that happen with a few characters are obviously things that are given by the Nine, or at least the Nine know that they are happening, whether or not they're actually giving. I think we could say that they are. I'm pretty sure we can say that what they are. Be point blank on it. With Lavinia, she doesn't have that per se, as far as if she's... She doesn't have the visions. I'm curious if it's one faction that is working and pushing Lavinia around versus the faction that's working with Drifter. Because one's group is using visions to communicate not only with Drifter, but with also us and this whole thing. Every time we go and do an invitation and we're seeing a vision, what's going on with Lavinia? Why doesn't it have the same pattern right. if that's their mode of communication? Well, that's the the other thing, too, that makes me wonder what the, the one that split off uh, and risked it all 
for Gaul to <laughs> got punished. invade the city as well, yeah, and how they were punished. It makes me wonder, like, we, we talk about how the nine are, there seemingly are nine of them, but I'm still wondering mm-hmm. if there isn't truth to the idea of the uh, of it being an organization rather than it is a, uh, to, sort of like Organization 13, if we want to go down the Kingdom Hearts route here. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Let's not go that route. Yeah, okay. That's another dangerous All right. Route. But it's, it, it's, it's a semi idea in terms of like how the paths would be uh, as a as a slight operative to that. Like organization thirteen has a couple of varying degrees in terms of like how things are handled or or thought of. Um, the major thing though is that it seems like there are several uh, different means to an end that are within organization thirteen, and I'm wondering if it isn't something similar to that with the nine. Uh, even if they're only stating that there are two uh, two products of thought that exist within, I just wonder how true that is, effectively. Mm-hmm. This is definitely the episode of... It is a slight episode about the Book of Dust. It is mostly an episode of all the stinking tangents that Dust created. Yeah. And us being able to actually dive into it. Do you guys want to do... Shoutouts. Do you guys have any final thoughts, comments on Dust? Other than I really encourage people to go read it multiple times for themselves. I have an announcement about oh. Dust. I actually started recording that today. So as far as lore audio supplements, that is one of the books that is in the works. I recorded all of the narrator stuff today with uh, some possible openings for voice acting stuff for other people to help with. So that is in progress for the way listening to that. So if you just want to not just hear about our thoughts on the book, if you haven't read it and want to actually hear it, that is something that is coming up hopefully soon. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So we will have that put up as soon as it gets out. Do you guys want to do shoutouts? Shoutouts to spider legs and creepy descriptions. <laughs> so Trevor. God, no, but that certainly fits, I guess. God. No, shout out to the team who made that mission because it is one of my favorite missions to play right now. I love just going in there and trying to speed run it by myself as well as going with the team. That's my shout out for this week is to the group that created the Outbreak uh, Perfected. Going to get it once, right once at least this time. That is weird. Yeah, it, I gotta mimic it, honestly. And I I say it more because I, wa- I want to tell them to do more of it. And not yes. necessarily like, you know, you you don't say this understanding that it is a dangerous precedent in a way. You don't have mm. to tell us everything. Uh, mm. The Burgusia uh, Forge, for instance, would have been no problem if you left that out and not told us anything about it. It would have been amazing to find it out on our own. Uh, and then suddenly this Niobe Labs thing opens up and reveals that we have... Uh, that we have a new forge, that would have been amazing. Uh, so you don't have to tell us everything. I seriously will argue. Uh, that said, stuff like this with uh, Outbreak Perfected, with Whisper of the Worm, um, both of those, I think, fit into the same general vein of each other, and I think both are excellent. Uh, I think that they actually add on a lot for world building, and they add on a ton 
uh, for like the direction that it seems like you guys want to go again. Because uh, there was a time I remember in D1 where it was all about, you know, keeping things under wraps and not showing everything off uh, all the time. I miss those days. Uh, I think as the lore community has also kind of showcased, we are okay with things not being told to us directly or right away. Uh, we are okay mm-hmm. with finding them out over time and maybe seeing some uh, some old uh, some old pieces come to to an end with uh, new beginnings uh, popping up. And whenever artistically you decide that it's time to uh, put some stuff to rest, then so be it. Now that that comes down to whatever you guys want to think of. Uh, but as we as we kind of got done talking with uh, with John as well, and I I still think that was one of the uh, coolest conversations I think I've been able to have from this podcast as well in its entirety, uh, just to get into the mind of one of the writers. We have so many stories that we will never hear from these people, uh, either because they are you know not deemed as like being good enough for the world, or they aren't cognizant for the world, uh, or God forbid something happens to the writer and they're never heard or seen from again. You know, these are things that happen with writing to begin with, and I, I think as my uh, my typical shout out kind of goes almost every week, I give uh, huge props to anybody that's out there that creates. Uh, over the last month, I have been fighting the ideas, as I know a lot of creatives tend to, of I'm not good enough or I never will be good enough, stuff like that. Uh, and to those that can get themselves over those hurdles. Uh, that means and shows major amounts to those that see you as uh, as as people of influence, uh, to those that they may like look up to and whatnot, uh, and know that your your actions as well as your uh, as well as your words uh, mean a lot to some people, and that's why I I tend to give pause every time I try to talk about something and think is this the way I want to go with it or is this the direction that I'm interested in and so on. Those are hard decisions to make. So again, just huge props to anybody that does create stories, not even just for Destiny, but just in general. Uh, thank you to the uh, to the live team for giving us an excellent uh, little story quest that we have to play through here again for the week. Uh, I'm just hoping to see more of it with Opulence, especially when we start to see a, a larger space like uh, what the Leviathan is. The Leviathan has so many little hidden nooks and crannies, uh, and I can only imagine the 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 many that we probably will never get a chance to to look into, just like we will with some of the stories that I'm sure you guys would love to present to us. So those are my major shoutouts for for this week. Uh, one last one: Guardian Con's like a month away at this point. Uh, I'm two months yeah, yet, I guess. I guess, yeah. We're, we're getting close. It's, we're getting real it's, close. It's a little under two months at this point, and it's uh, it's feeling a little bit more real. Those uh, those those travel jitters are setting oh, in. Wait, you only got fifty four days. I mean, come on. Uh, whatever. Sure. Okay. <laughs> anyway, my throat is thrashed because of uh, voicing a video before this, and then uh-huh. immediately jumping onto the podcast. You guys will hear that video. I hope on Sunday. Uh, which means it'll probably be out by the time this goes. Uh, <laughs> time travel, go and whatnot. Yeah, time travel. Um, but uh, you guys can hear why my voice is uh, pretty thrashed at this point. Uh, if you feel like it, 
later on. But that said, uh, thank you guys for for the last month as well for uh, for giving me the time of day and whatnot. As I've I've said a couple of times here lately, uh, I very much appreciate it because I know I was gone for a rather long time, and I'm happy to be back with uh, with making content uh, full time again or semi full time, I guess you could say, as often as I can. There, we'll we'll put it that way. There you go. But, by the way, the music for that mission, if you normally play with like your own yeah. music playing for the turn turn that off and put on game music for the Outbreak Perfecto oh, mission. Okay. It's it's you... really freaking cool. It I would put it it's it's different than Whisper, okay. but I think it's on the same level as far as how neat that music is. Is and it how synth well the wave? It, yeah, it's really it's it also helps really direct the mood. Of what you're going like through, yeah. I uh, of course, when it comes to recording, I try to keep the music off. I uh, I pretty oh, yeah. well have to, especially when all of a sudden, oh my god, I actually got the 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 the, the thing done, and I can mm-hmm. turn my music back on, and then I completely forget to turn my music back off for the subsequent fifty recordings that I do. That never happened. Don't ask. All the time. All the time. It, Every seriously. Time. <laughs> anyway. I don't. I don't. I, know the, I don't I need know. those. Uh, those memories at all. Okay. Yeah. I'll. Uh, I'll give that a. I'll give that a listen. Cool. Yeah, it's really nice. All right, guys. Well, you guys have a great week, and we will see you next week. Bye. 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 With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.